and turn to the book of Amos. I probably should have marked my spot in my own Bible, but there we are. I beat all of you. Amos chapter 7. And then when you uh, find your spot, if you're able, please stand with me as we read Amos first few verses of chapter 7. Page 8866, if you have that simplified King James Version, it's 866. And we're going to begin in verse 1. You all will have to forgive me for my voice, and hopefully you've forgiven me at this point. It's been all day, and um, you've bared with me, so please bear with me a little further. Joanna had to listen to me through all of the last service, and she's still alive, so... The Lord has shown this to me, and behold, he formed grasshoppers at the beginning of the late crop. And behold, it was the late growth after the king's mowings. And it came to pass that when they had finished eating the grass of the land, then I said, O Lord God, forgive, I beseech you. By whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small. The Lord relented concerning this. It shall not be, the Lord said. The Lord has shown this to me. And behold, the Lord called to contend with them by fire, and it devoured the great deep and ate up a part. Then I said, O Lord God, cease, I beseech you. By whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small. The Lord relented concerning this. This also shall not be, the Lord God said. He showed me this. And behold, the Lord stood on a wall made by a plumb line. With a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never pass by them again. And the high places of Isaac shall be desolate. And the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid desolate. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, for this time that we can look into it. I pray that you would use this passage to um, help each one of us here today to just understand more about you. And um, I pray that you would, your Holy Spirit would move in each heart. Thank you for the work that you've done in my heart through this passage already. Please continue to work in me. And I pray that I would speak with clarity now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, we didn't continue reading here, but... It goes on to uh, say that this, this man, Amaziah, he goes to King Jeroboam, which is Jeroboam II, and he basically tattles on Amos, and he's like, Amos is conspiring against you and whatever. Um, and he says that, he tells him Jeroboam is going to die by the sword. He said that's what Amos said. And then let's just talk a little bit about Amos and jump down to verse 14. We'll hear a little bit about him. Amos answered, said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor was I a, a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock. Sounds like David a little bit. And the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. So he, he was just a herdsman, right? A shepherd and um, a farmer and God called him to, to give this prophecy. And so here we have Amos, and he is just this ordinary fella that God is, is using to share his word with King Jeroboam and the nation of Israel at large. Um, this, the date of this prophecy and Amos' time was seven, about 760 to 750 B.C., okay? So 
um, 2,780 years ago or so. And this is 30 years before the fall of Assyria, the fall of Israel to Assyria. So this is uh, not too long before that. And part of the judgment that Amos is talking about is, is going to be fulfilled in that. Although the direct judgment upon Jeroboam's family will soon follow. And we won't, really won't cover that today. But he, he was from uh, an area near Bethlehem called Tekoa. And he, he prophesied to the northern kingdom. So this is the, the ten tribes in the kingdom of Israel, not Judah. And so Jeroboam the king, Jeroboam the second is the king at the time. And at this time, Israel is really prospering materially. They are experiencing great prosperity and success uh, in that sense um, of material things. And yet, they have neglected the poor and needy. And that's part of, of his judgment, of a prophecy of judgment. God is, is going to judge them because despite their prosperity, they have neglected the poor. They've also betrayed their covenant with the Lord. And uh, it, it, it just sounds a lot like America today as far as the prosperity and yet a general neglect of God and kind of, even among Christians, just an ignorance of, of the Lord. Like, he's prospered us, but, you know, here's our church attendance and, and we're good. But God comes to him with these different visions. He comes to Amos and Amos Amos says, okay, Lord, please don't do that. He talks about uh, the crops, and God says he's going to come and destroy the crops. And Amos is like, Lord, please don't do that. And God, God says, okay, I'm not going to do that. And then he comes with this other one, and he says that he's going to bring judgment by fire. And Amos says, Lord, please don't do that either. <laughs> How is Jacob, Israel, going to recover from this? We're, we're just small people. And, and Amos really beseeches the Lord on the half of uh, of the nation of Israel. And God hears his prayer. And I think that it is, um, again, this is not the point of the message at all, but, but it is prudent for us and necessary that we would pray for our nation and that God would spare us from judgment. Um, and God heard his prayer and he, and he spared them from the judgment, those judgments. But then he says here, verse 7, he showed me this, behold, the Lord stood on a wall made by a plumb line with a plumb line in his hand. Now, um, how many of you know what a plumb line is? Raise your hand if you know what a plumb line is. All right, three, four individuals, five individuals, okay. I'm sure Mrs. J has built all kinds of structures with a plumb line and uh, knows much more about it than me. But a plumb line uh, is this, okay? I, I made one, let's see, where did I put it? I made one, okay, and this is a crude structure, I admit. Nevertheless, it will, it will do the job, at least so I've been told, um, and I want to talk a little bit today about a plumb line, but this is my plumb line right here. And does anyone know what I, what I used as my string? <laughs> That's exactly right. I used floss, okay? And uh, so a plumb line is designed, and this was an idea somebody, somebody gave me that I met the other day, but um, a plumb line is designed to point, it, it, it uses the gravity of the earth to point straight down. So it doesn't matter what angle you hold it at. It's always going to point when it, when it stops. It's always going to point straight down. And the purpose of it is to find plumb, believe it or not. Okay? The whole point is to find plumb. So you use a plumb line to find plumb. 
and the, the end of it is called the bob, okay? So you got the plumb line and the plumb bob on the end of it, and it's used in a lot of different, um, uh, different types of jobs, right? Um, sailors use it, um, even people that work like uh, doing, I, for, I forget exactly what it's called, but people that work in the ocean and that type of thing, um, construction workers use it a lot. And so what it, it really is mainly used to line walls up, okay? And when you build a wall, you, you really want the wall to be straight. Uh, and if it's not, that, that's kind of a problem. I mean, it doesn't look good aesthetically, but the, the whole point is that you would put a nail, I didn't want to put a nail in anything, okay, but you would put a nail into, into the wall um, or something to hang it from, and then you would hang it from the nail, and then if it's, let's say it's an inch from the wall up here, you want it to be an inch from the wall at the bottom. And the more advanced plumb lines, can you advance the, the slide two times, two times? Okay, so you see the spool. So I don't know how many feet are there, but you could, you could put it halfway up this wall. You could get on a ladder. I mean, there's enough there. You could put it all the way up. So you would be able to tell as you drop it down where the wall is uneven. And even all the way down to the bottom, you would be able to see. If I have it an inch from the wall at the top, then you drop it down, whatever this is, 16 feet. Hey, you could still find if it's an inch from the bottom or two inches at the bottom, right? And then you know there's somewhere in between that you're off. You're not plumb. And it's basically the, the vertical equivalent of a level. So I'm, I'm sure all of us know what a, a level is. You put it on something to see if it's level. And so the plumb line does the vertical, is the, uh, is the vertical equivalent to that. So you're trying to find perpendicularity. There's your word for the day. That one came a lot as I was looking, came up a lot as I was looking at plumb line. So the plumb line is what God comes to Amos with, and he's standing on a wall already made by a plumb line. So this wall was made by a plumb line, and it's straight, okay? Um, now, God's wall, the, the wall he's on, he must have built it because it was, it was perfectly straight. He used a plumb line, and, and then he holds this plumb line. And the whole point of the, of the plumb line is that he's going to measure the nation of Israel. So he comes with this plumb line to measure the nation of Israel. And, and he says in verse 8, Behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. And I'm not going to pass by them again. Basically, I won't um, overlook their sin again. I'm not just going to pass by it. So judgment is coming. And so as, as, as I think about God going into the midst of the people of Israel with this plumb line, the Lord he also is going to come to us with a plumb line. And he does come to us with a plumb line. And so I want to look into that a little bit today about the wall that we're building in our lives. Um, and the first, the first thing I want us to look at, as, as we think of building a wall, I certainly have never built a wall unless it was a sand wall or something like that at the ocean. But you want to have, first of all, a good foundation. And we, the, the plumb line, as we're going to get into later, is representative of the word of God. So the word of God is the standard, right? That's, that is the, the perfect standard that if you follow it, your wall is going to be straight, okay? That's the way God designed it. It's the way he set it up. 
And God desires for each one of us to have a straight wall, so to speak. He wants our lives to be in, uh, in uh, compliance with his standard, right? But if you're going, you, can, you can live this, this life according to his standard and, and, and live a very obedient to the word of God life. There are lots of people who do that. But if you have the wrong foundation, um, it, it, you can end up like, go back one, one uh, slide there, Rosario. You can end up like this famous tower, right? Uh, it, it actually is very, very straight if you look at it. Uh, the sides of it are very straight. Now, I don't know if they used the plumb line or not. Probably they did. It's an ancient tool that was even used, they think, by the, the Egyptians to build the pyramids and keep them so straight. So, you know, the Leaning Tower of Pisa was, was built in like the 14 or 1500s, I think. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was built in 14 or 1500s. So, anyway, they might have very well used the plumb line to get it straight, but their foundation is off. And you have to have, first of all, the right foundation to build this wall. And that foundation is Christ. Psalm 118.22 says, The stone which the builders refused became the headstone of the corner. Right? It's the prophecy which Acts 4.11 says, This is the stone that was despised by you builders, which has become the head of the corner. And so that needs to be the cornerstone. And when you think of the cornerstone, like today, if someone puts a cornerstone in, it's a more symbolic thing. But for, for the Masons, when they were building a foundation of stones, they, it was a, just a bunch of stones. That was the foundation. So the cornerstone was the one that needed to be right in the right place. It needed to be pointing the right direction. It, it, it was the guiding stone. It was the, the most important stone of the foundation. And so if Christ is not your foundation, good luck, I mean, building your wall. Because for one, your wall is eventually going to fall over, even if it's, even if it's um, straight in the sense that it doesn't have blemishes and, and it's flat. But even then, if, if you're not building your life on Christ then there is no eternal security for you. It's just your good works. And if you're building on your good works, it doesn't matter how straight your line of good works is. I know, you know, there are plenty of religions, uh, but let's pick Catholics because they actually, you know, have the Bible. So I'm not going to pick, like, Buddhists or something like that. But there are religions like Catholics where they, they adhere very strictly to their religion. And their wall may be straight in a sense, but without Christ as their foundation, it's hopeless. And, and it will all be for naught in the end. So, build your foundation upon Christ. And that is the best place to start. It all starts with a relationship with him. But, let's talk about this plumb line. We need to know how to use the plumb line of God's word. So, first of all, let's know its purpose. And we covered that a little bit. That's to find plumb. And that's important because nobody, nobody wants a crooked wall. If, if your life is a wall, you don't want it to be crooked. You don't want a crooked life. Uh, you know, God comes to measure the nation of Israel with his plumb line, and he was trying to, defi- trying to discover if he was going to see them straight and following his word or in disobedience. And he already knew. He already knew that they were crooked and that judgment was coming. But he was measuring them by his standard. And his standard is righteousness. Isaiah 28, 17 
says, I will make judgment the measuring line. Also, the plumb line. And righteousness, the plumb line. So he says it in different ways. But righteousness is the plumb line that God uses. And God's righteous standard is holiness. Leviticus 20, uh, verse 7 says, Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God. God's standard is holiness. We know that we can never be perfectly holy here on this earth. Until we reach heaven, we will not attain perfect holiness. But as we follow and obey God, and as we live according to his word, and as we strive for holiness, as we're commanded to, we can live a life that pleases God. God can come to us. It is possible for God to come to us with his plumb line and stand in the midst of our lives and look and be pleased. That's possible. And it's something that we should strive for. Uh, It's God's word, if we follow it, that will make our lives plumb. That's with a B, for those of you who, yeah, it's not written anywhere, okay? So if you're taking notes, write it with a B. Um, The second thing, we need to know its purpose, but we also need to understand its accuracy. And that is that it's inerrant. The plumb line is, can you, can you advance it two more slides to the last one? Um, it's a very durable tool. It, it's made, oftentimes it's weighted with lead, but it, it, uh, it usually has bronze or um, some type of hard metal like that that it's made of because it's very durable, right? But then the lead on the inside weights it so that it doesn't, um, so that it, for one, it stops quickly if you're hanging it way, 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 way down. But also, it doesn't blow in the wind. So you want an accurate measurement. So the weight of it, the lead especially, brings the weight so that it does not blow when the wind blows. Anyway, it's a very durable tool. Now, I don't know when this one was made. I just found this on Google. But there are multiple, like, collections of very ancient plumb bobs. And if you think about it, that makes sense because it's not a saw, right? It's not a shovel. It's not something that's going to wear out. It's just a hunk of metal on the end of a string, and it's not even used, like, you don't bump it around or anything. You just hang it there. So it, the plumb bob from, from, let's say, the time of the Egyptians, right, if it was a piece of bronze, if it were uncovered today, I could put a string on that thing, and I could, I could use it to build a building or someone could use it to build a building, okay? That thing would work. And you know what? It would still point straight down. It's still using the Earth's gravity to find accuracy. There's nothing wrong with it. It's perfectly usable. And, and it's, it's not eternal. But, I mean, it will just last forever and ever. As long as time lasts until it burn up or disintegrates, like, you can just keep using a plumb bob to find plumb. And God's word is the same. God's word, unless it's broken, is going to last forever. And we know, according to John chapter 10, verse 35, that God's word cannot be broken. And so we can depend on the word of God when it comes to measuring our lives, to building our wall. We can use the plumb line of God's word and know for sure it's not changing. It's the same as it used to be. It applies to us today. And, you know, there are people who would say... 
well, this doesn't apply to me today. That was for their time, for those people. Um, it's the same. It's not changing. And we can depend on it just as much today as when Jesus spoke the words to the people then. So we've seen that uh, we need to learn how to use the tool. We need to know its purpose. We need to understand its accuracy. And, you know, uh, I jumped ahead of myself. The durability, understanding its durability and believing its durability, that, that's number three. That's letter C. Okay, so we're going to go back. Understanding its accuracy and its inerrancy is... Um, the idea that it uses the Earth's gravity to find plum. And gravity, that, that's, that's literally how we weigh ourselves. You jump on a scale, okay, the pull of, of your body weight toward uh, downward is how you weigh yourself, okay? Gravity's not changing. Gravity stays the same. And so when you come to weigh this thing, or when you go to line something up, you never have to worry that the plumb line is not pointing straight down. And when we when we come to God's word in our life and we see a passage, we should never say, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if I should obey that. If, if God's word says something and you disagree, God's right and you're just plumb wrong. God's right. And there's just different areas of our life where we need to make sure that our life lines up with God and trust that his plumb line is pointing us in the right direction. When you, you know, let's say you are building this wall and you're using the plumb line and you see that it's off at the bottom from the top. Let's say it's off by like four inches. So your wall is like super leaning over. It would be ridiculous for you to say, you know what, I think I'm just going to keep on like building it up. It's fine. It really won't be a big deal. And the wall is, let's say it's this high, okay, which at four inches at this high is a lot, but it's not going to fall over. But you, you in your life, you know, you have these problems and you have this sin and you know that this sin has become a part of your wall and, and it's becoming a part of your life and you're continuing to build your wall and you're building it up and you're building it up and as you go, let's not use, we already used that color, um, and as you go, actually I have, I have a really cool color in my pocket, <laughs> I brought these from my house, I'm just kidding. So you're building this wall and let's say you're using bricks, and it's, just, it's getting a little off, right? And as you go, this sin, you don't take care of it, and maybe you even add more sin, okay? Now your weight, you're getting way off. What's eventually going to happen to this structure? Sir, it's going to collapse. <laughs> yeah, walls, if they're not straight, and, and they're given enough time. Now, I don't, I don't know about this leaning tower of Pisa. I don't, that thing just keeps on standing. I think maybe they got underneath of it and fixed the foundation. But anyway, so if you don't, if you don't fix your wall, if you don't fix your life and line it up with, with the plumb line of God's word, that area of sin eventually is going to result in collapse. And I don't know when it's going to collapse. I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow. I don't know if it's going to be two years or 82 years on your deathbed or after you die. God knows, but only God knows. So don't play around with that sin. And as you're building the wall of your life and God points areas to you, maybe through your devotions, maybe it's through the preaching at church, um, maybe it's through a song you're listening to, or just somebody, something says to you, God is like, okay, you remember this verse? Yeah, you, that, that, that's for you. You need to go fix that right now. Um, 
do it. Don't keep building your wall with that sin in there because eventually it's going to collapse. Eventually it's going to collapse. God's going to measure your wall with his plumb line. And he's looking for accuracy. And you can have accuracy. You can have accuracy in your life with lining up with God's word in the area of music. You can have accuracy in that area. God created music. He gave us guidelines in his word for it. There's no reason for us to walk through life and say, I think that's all right. I don't think that's all right. God gave us his word. He, we can have accuracy and line up with God in our standard of music, in our church attendance. God has given us guidelines. He's given us his, his plumb line. And is, is, is your plumb line of church attendance lined up with God's plumb line? Is God pleased in giving, in forgiveness, in love? The world has their, their plumb line, and certainly our minds also develop our own guide, guidelines and standards for these different things. I, I was talking to, to a coworker at work the other day in the truck, and we had a two-hour drive, and uh, this guy and I, we get along fine, but we've had our differences, and he's from New York, and so he's naturally a little more controversial and in your face, and uh, anyway, so he's about a 30-year-old black man, and there was another young man in there, 25-year-old black man, it was me, and um, the fact that he's African-American is relevant as the story goes on. So we're, we're having this discussion, and we're talking about racism. And um, I said that racism is hatred. That's, that's what it is. So racism is hatred against a particular people group, okay? And uh, it would be difficult to say that you're racist against white people if you're white, or racist against black people if you're black. You, you would just say that you hate them, okay? But race, so racism really is just hatred against a particular people group. And I believe, according to the Bible, that hatred is wrong, right? The Bible says that we should love our enemies, do good to those that hate us. Um, it says we should be kind one to another, tenderhearted, loving one another, as God did. So that's, you know, simple and straightforward enough. Now, this man believes the Bible was written by one man and that it is fallible and whatever. He's not a fan of the Bible, so he rejects that. But just in general, the world today would say love over hate. Now, their definition of love is a little messed up, but love over hate. Most people would say, yes, love is better than hatred. And this guy, he's like, no, black people cannot be racist. They can't be racist. And I said, <laughs> I said, oh, <laughs> Well, I, I, I had just defined racism as hatred against a particular people group. So I'm like, how do you explain that this people group cannot be racist against anyone else? Um, and so he elaborated that um, because of the injustices done to blacks in the past and the um, complete lack of any type of retribution for those injustices, they have a legitimate reason for hatred. And uh, he couldn't get off that. Like, we argued about it a little bit, and then finally I just kind of clammed up, and I was like, all right, you know. 
And so then he kind of came back around and was like, look, man, I don't think you're racist. And, you know, we kind of, we made up and, and it, it was fine. Like, we were cool after that. We've already had this type of discussion before about something completely different. And, um, but he has his definition, his plumb line of when it comes to love and hatred. He's got his. And it's a bad plumb line, which in, in reality, there's no bad plumb lines, right? They all point the same direction. They're not, there's not, they're not messed up, okay? So I don't know what his standard is, but he's not using a plumb line. He's certainly not using the Bible. But so that's an extreme case. But we develop, we can develop our own standards of these things that I've mentioned. Um, standards in service or in modesty or in attitude or in free time. Like, how we use our free time. What is our standard? Our, is our standard lined up with what God has said about it? Um, in your budget, the way you use your money, right? God has given us his plumb line, his word, to help us to live in a way that pleases him. So that when he comes and judges us, and certainly he's watching our life now, he's judging us in that sense, and when we transgress as children of God, if we are children of God, he will at times chasten us and discipline us for our sin. But, and I'm really getting ahead of myself here, but um, at the end, when we die, he is going to ultimately judge us. And at the judgment seat of Christ, our wall, God's going to walk among his people. He's going to walk up next to you with his plumb line, and he's going to judge you. He's going to judge you based on how you lived your life for him. It was your foundation, Christ. And then after that, as you built upon that, what was your standard? Because, well, I mean, I don't know that he really cares what your standard is if it wasn't the word of God. Because ultimately, if it wasn't the word of God, it's just going to be, it's going to be not straight, right? And he's going to be able to tell, look, during this 10 years of your life, boy, what a terrible marker. During this 10 years of your life, you followed my word. And, you know, I was saved when I was 8. So at 18, this, this, was, this was me. I'm not saying I was that straight. What I'm saying is that this was 10 years of my life, okay? And now I'm 27, so almost 10 more years. I guess I've almost been saved. Yeah, next October will be uh, 20 years. And so, anyway, that maybe the first 10 years of your life, you, and that's not even perfectly straight, okay? So you messed up a little bit. But then for five years, you just, I mean, you were just doing your own thing. And then, by God's grace, you fixed it for the last 20 years, okay? But God forbid that you get to the last 15 years of your life. You don't know that it's the last 15 years, but... And that you just, you just, you're like, you lived your life this way, and then you've just decided, I, I don't really care. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do my own... Man, you're going to meet God someday at the judgment seat of Christ, and he's not, he's not going to say, wow, you, you did a great job here. I'm so glad. No, you need to finish well. Finish well. So God comes with the plumb line, and he's measuring his people. He's measuring us. And someday he's going to ultimately measure us, and he's going to give us rewards or take away rewards based upon how we lived and about how well our life lines up with his word. There is... Uh, there is an enjoying of the results if you do follow God's word. And if you do live a life 
that lines up with his standard. Uh, when you're plumb with God's standard, you have joy. Job chapter 5, verse 17 says, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. And so maybe, maybe at this point in your life right now as you're sitting here, there is, well, none of our lives are perfectly plumb. So everyone in here has some area of their life that God could, could correct them about, could work on them about, could say, hey, this needs to be plumb. Let's fix this right here. Here's my plumb line. Here's my word. Let's fix that, right? Happy is the man whom God corrects. You, you want the Lord to chasten you if there's an area of sin in your life. And boy, when God stops, I know when um, Matt Galvin was preaching to the teens at Rekindle, he was talking about when God just, he works on you, works on you, works on you, and, and you say no, 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 and eventually the voice gets quieter and quieter and quieter. Man, what a scary place to be where you can think back to 10 years ago when you remember him working in your heart about that sin, but it's been at least five years since he said anything to you about it, and you realize it. Um, that's, that's a dangerous place to be. But there's joy when God corrects you. And then it says in Proverbs 20, 21, 15, it is joy to the just to do judgment. It is joy to the just to do judgment. Those who are living justly and righteously, it's joy to them to do the right thing. That's, that's a joyful thing. And God is pleased with that, and you will be a happier person as as you line yourself up with God's standard. I believe that God chose Amos to deliver this message because Amos, this simple farmer, shepherd, was just living his life according to God's plumb line. And that doesn't mean just like Job or Noah, that he was perfect, right? These men who appear so righteous according to Scripture and even are called righteous or perfect in that sense of the word. So... Maybe he was living a very holy life like that. That's not saying he was perfect. But God saw how he was living and said, I want that man to deliver the message to, and it was a message of judgment, not a happy message, but I want that man to deliver the message. Are you living in, in a way that God can use you? Would he call upon you and say, hey, this guy, he cares about my standard. He's living in obedience to me. I want to use that man. I want to use that woman. And... So he comes to him with this message, and he asks him to take it to the king. And uh, so the second way, and we're going to close here, but the second way that we can have joy, um, I'm sorry, that we can enjoy the results of obedience is by having an opportunity to help and serve others. And th that's, where, that's where Amos was at. But we can help the lost see that they need salvation. And that, that salvation comes through Christ. The forgiveness of their sins comes through Christ. If, you, if you're not living according to God's standard, it's harder to do that. One, because you don't care as much about souls. And two, when you say, hey, get saved, God can make a difference in your life. They're, they can look at you and be like, well, what difference? You, you don't, you know, treat people any better than me. Or you, you, you don't love people any more than I do. Or um, what, whatever the case may be. But when we are living according to God's standard, we can help others to know Christ. We can help them to see their need for Christ and, and how wonderful it is to know Christ and to live in the security that his standard brings. God wants us to warn other people of coming judgment. And Ezekiel 33, 8 and 9 talk about that. Then secondly, 
we can help fellow Christians to live godly in Christ Jesus. I thought about Paul, um, and he was so confident in how he was building his wall and how he was living for the Lord that he encouraged others to follow him. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. So if we're thinking about this like his life was a wall that he was building, he was so confident that he was obeying the Lord and following him. He said, guys, see my wall? You see how I'm building it? Build your wall like I'm building my wall. Follow me like I'm following Christ. And if we are living like according to God's standard, if we have our, a good conscience with the Lord, and we know that when he speaks to us about this, we, we, we fix it, or he speaks to us about that, we fix it. And not that we're perfect, but when he speaks to us about it, we fix it. Then we have the confidence to say to others, hey, why don't you come over here and do this with me? Let's go do this together. Watch how I, this is, this is how I, I spend my time with the Lord. Have you ever thought about doing this? Maybe this would help you. Let's, let's go, you know, talk to this person together. Um, in, in 2 Thessalonians 3.15 and in 1 Thessalonians 5.12 and in Romans 15.14, talks about admonishing one another. And it has the idea of cautioning or reproving gently. And this is talking about among Christians, right? That, that is something that, that God desires for us to do. Um, and is difficult at times. But if, if you are living your life in, in a way that pleases God, then you, you can have more confidence to go over here and help this person and admonish them and say, hey, I noticed this about your life. And I'm not sure that, according to this verse, I don't, I don't know that that pleases God. And, I mean, you know, I'm, I don't want to hear that. But... That, that's what I need, right? I need people in the church, people around me, when they see holes in my life, to admonish me, to reprove me gently. Please do it gently. And um, I'll try not to yell at you, but um, no. And uh, so, this, but this is a responsibility we have. And as we're living according to God's standard, yes, other people can see. They can see our wall. They can see how we're living. But we need to admonish others as well. This is not just about a silent living holiness, Right? We need to point each other to Christ and to God's standard. Um, that's, that's a responsibility that we have. Now, as, as I talked about before, this, this, the accuracy in it is impeccable. And as God's word is measured up to our lives, as God measures your life, with his standard of holiness, which is perfectly straight. How does your wall measure up? I mean, it, it's already started. I mean, if you're saved, it's at some point. Some of our walls are taller than others. But what area of your life is it where it's bulging? Where it's starting to keel over? Where is it that you need to line your life up with the Lord's standard? As we build our wall, if you, if you just consider following it according to God's standard, using the plumb line, and you build it, and just keep building it and building it as you live your life, imagine the, the immense and wonderful structure you could end up with. Now, according to my illustration, you're just going to end up with a really tall wall. But um, if you think about building a, a, a building or some, some uh, church or something with a plumb line, the 
you can really build an amazing, beautiful structure if you use that plumb line correctly. And that's what God wants to do with our lives. He wants us to be an amazing, beautiful structure for his honor and glory. And I hope that that's your desire today. On the flip side, if you don't use his standard, there will be collapse. Eventually, in some, in some way, maybe large, maybe small way, uh, it really happens throughout our life all the time. We have different small collapses because of sins. So measure your life according to God's standard. Live according to his standard and see what wonderful and beautiful things he can do with you. Well, let's close with prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word and thank you for the guidance that it gives us. We don't have to like wander through our lives and wonder if this is right or that is right. We have the, the opportunity to know exactly what you want for us in each different scenario. Um, Lord, we thank you for that, but help us to live in obedience to it. That's, that's the hard part. Even reading it is something that most of us are very accustomed to doing, but obedience to it is the difficult part at times, and so help each one of us to live in obedience to you, and I pray that you would be pleased with our lives, Lord. As you measure us, I pray that we would measure up to your standard, not our standard or anyone else's. Help us to be people who please you. In Jesus' name, amen.